0: On the Pilot TV Podcast this week, we're taking a leaf out of Sesame Street's book, and this week's show will be brought to you in association with the number two. That's because it's all sequels in this week's lineup, with a trio of returning shows, each coming back for their sophomore outing. Yes, that does mean there are no brand spanking new debut shows for you this week, which, to be sure, is a little bit disappointing, but don't get upset. It's not the end of the fucking world. Except... It is, because this week's first sequel is indeed The End of the Fucking World, Season 2. After that, we'll explore all things felonious in Series 2 of The Young Offenders and take a trip back to the Roman invasion of Britain for Series 2 of Sky Atlantic's Britannia. Not only that, but Alfred Woodard and Jason Momoa dropped by the pod booth to talk to Boyd about their new Apple Plus show, C. I'm James Dyer, and I am once again joined by, well, two colleagues for a show that aims to kickstart your week in style by filling your ears with televisual wisdom. First up, a woman whose TV tastes leave no room for joy thanks to a heart carved of stone, or more specifically, concrete taken from the This Is England housing estate. But, despite this, she has developed quite the following, particularly with listener Turkish D, who left us a measly three-star rating the other week with the comment, too much James. (laughs) Dire overkill, not good. He goes on to say, Boyd is good, Terry is the governor. Ooh. Ooh! Thanks, Turkish. Now... I can only assume that rather than paying tribute to you in a kind of Guy Ritchie-inspired slang, he is instead comparing you to the homicidal governor played by David Morrissey in The Walking Dead, which I can, of course, totally get on board with.
1: I would like to think that I am the governor, um, well, kind of more like a scum governor, like who's the fucking daddy now with a sock with a snooker ball in it. You've never seen scum, have you? No. Of okay. course not. Sometimes I just feel like our references are so mm. worlds apart that we may as well both be talking to each other in a different language. And in many times, yeah. and in many respects, we are in yeah. fact talking I, to each other in a I different language. I think
0: that's language. fair. Joining the Gov and myself, the daddy. Indeed, uh, is a man who also meets with our friend Turkish's approval. He is a repository of more TV information than Broadcasting House. This despite his ongoing obsession with reality TV shows about pastry making. <laughs> It's the fabulous Baker Boyd. Oh, oh very good. <laughs> I'm slightly stretched.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, but, I'm running out at this point. Yeah, fair enough.
0: You know, you like Bake Off, therefore.
2: Yeah, Probably it works. works. It works, yeah. I do like Bake Off, yeah.
1: Final this week, guys. Yeah. Did we watch it?
2: Yeah. What I did mean, you think? It's fine. I like, yeah, I like. I like those... I like the winner. Um, what's his name?
1: David. <laughs> Thank
2: you. <laughs> but it was a slightly un- underwhelming series,
0: wasn't it? I mean, James is furious now. We're actually got yeah, into, get, get into this. People were tweeting about uh, yeah. this. Like, people were tweeting about the finale as if, like, it was the end of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't sure, is it because it was rubbish? Did something serious happen? Was someone killed by a meringue? What happened?
1: Be- Bake Off finally is always a massive event where people tune in. It's one of those very rare things when people actually all tune in at the same time. Everyone's tweeting. It's a nice moment for the country to come together in something that an awful and apocalyptic apart from the reason everybody was freaking out as was I is because Bake Off's meant to be lovely and warm and fluffy and kind and people were like having breakdowns parents were going mm. missing people were crying there was like hyperventilating a very stressful and yet seemingly also underwhelming finale yeah. so it didn't give you the comfort you'd expect from Bake Off but it was also kind of like a damp squib in the end as well so it was like a weird combination so most people I think didn't know how to feel about the end of this one
2: yeah interestingly James Like th- this year's bunch of contestants was predominantly young, didn't they? It was the youngest
1: yes.
2: selection ever. And the, and the finest were all, all kind of young dudes, basically. And, Apart from yeah. two of them were women. And dudes in the general... Oh, yeah. like... The, the non-gender specific Yeah The dudes. non-gender specific yeah, dudes. sorry. Um, and... It does have an effect, doesn't it? Because it's like yeah. they're,
0: they're intrinsically somehow more emotional. Yeah. Were they like baking MDMA into the cakes? Like, what were they? Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, no, I mean
1: they were so, I mean, they were, I think they're, because they're, they're all millennials. So they're all kind of the same person in some respects. Yes. So you don't get that light and <laughs> yes. shade you normally get yeah. when there's a nana yeah. and there's a millennial. And there's, they were all kind mm. of amorphous.
0: Yeah. I suppose. You may have noticed I have not attempted to shut down your Bake Off conversation this no. week. You gonna Why? Edit it this out? is because, I could just edit it out, yes. No, it's because uh, I'm, I'm slightly more on board with Bake Off now because someone sent me a what? clip of, of a contestant, I don't know from when back, carrying some kind of pastry which was precarious, and as he walked across the room, taking it from, I don't know, station A to station B, he was reciting the Bene Gesserit litany <laughs> against fear from Dune. I will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. It is the little death. And I was like, oh, I am on board with this. If he's quoting Dune in Bake Off, oh, yeah. it must be good. Yeah, they're I all, mean... Th- they're all kind of millennial nerds, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was so going to say, there'll
1: sense. definitely be a bit of walking and talking and West Wing action at some mm, point, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway... You should enter. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to happen. Um, I would say now that we would get on to Terry watches Farscape, except Terry hasn't watched Farscape. Now, ironically, Boyd has watched Farscape, <laughs> but I feel at this point, retitling the segment <laughs> hashtag Boyd watches Farscape would be a step too far. So, we, I think we give her another week. Okay. I mean, haven't we already done a bit of Terry Love? Well,
1: can I just point out that this began life as a make Terry watch one episode of Fire Escape (laughs) and then we decided the episode of Fire Escape I'd watched was too too anomalous and wasn't representative of real Fire Escape. So I now have to watch a second episode on top of everything else to be able to because you think I didn't watch it. a full, yeah, yeah. I didn't get the full measure mm.
3: of Fire. I, of I will
2: just say I was surprised by how much I liked it. <laughs> hey, See now, yeah. now I'm excited. Yeah. I almost want to go ahead yeah.
0: without you, but we won't. We won't. We will save That's it. I should spoiler. also emphasise this is not now a regular thing. We're only going to do this once. So people who hate Farscape, you just have to put up with it for an instalment. Um, what have we been watching this week? apart from Bake Off?
2: I have been watching a show that um, we didn't have time to review because um, there's so much every week um, and it, it starts in a particularly busy week, I think, and it's found slightly under the radar. It's on BBC Two and it's called Guilt. Mm. Um, and this is a BBC... You spe- know, BBC Scotland has become a more of a thing mm. now because of um, digital channels. So BBC Scotland has its own digital channel and commissions its own stuff. Okay, And this is one of their first commissions and it's a four-part drama written by Neil Forsyth Scythe, starring Mark Bonner from Catastrophe, mm. who's really funny in Catastrophe, and a guy called Jamie Scythe, who so you recognise, lots of things. They're brothers. They're kind of quite contrasting brothers. Bonner is a slick, cynical, bit of a dickhead lawyer. His brother, Jamie, is a more soulful dude who runs his own second-hand record shop. Together, on the, w- the very first scene, is them on the way back from a wedding, bantering with each other, um, slightly tipsy, and they run over an old man and they kill him. And the whole thing is what happens after that. So, you know, one of them wants to immediately run away, not deal with it. The other one feels guilty and wants to deal with it, hence the title Guilt. It's a bit like, you know, there's a lot of, it's not the most original idea. You know, a lot of, films TV shows I mean I think The Wrong Man started pretty much this way you know the, the James Corden's um, series that went out a few couple of years ago and you know plenty of kind of Coen Brothers style things start with a crime you know being committed and then wanting to try and get away with it it's got that vibe to it but it's quite it, it's a black comedy really mm. and everyone in it is great and it's really well made and it's good I think, I think everyone would like it so that's guilt it's on, it's on the iPlay. only one episode has gone out so far I think they might put all four up anyway but okay. yeah it's good good,
0: good to, to know go. Terry
1: so I watched the penultimate ever episode of The Affair, which ends this coming week. Um, so this will go out on Monday, and it will be mon- Monday night, I think. Um, so, and it's interesting because there's always one episode of The Affair every season that everybody kind of um, goes in for and says, you know, because The Affair's had quite a rocky path in pretty much every season, even though this season and last season have both been better, um, there's always one standout episode. Last season, it was the episode in which Alison died, and you had two very contrasting accounts of how she died. This one was all around Noah and Helen's relationship, and it was there were fires in LA, and they go off on this weird kind of life saving trek, and it was really weird and really meta and completely not like the affair at all in so many respects. And I'm still not sure if I. I like like people were raving about it online and saying it's like the greatest episode ever. I'm I'm still not sure, and it's interesting how they're now going to close it out for the finale next week because they've all but given up on Joni, um, Alison's daughter. That that storyline seemed to end. I don't know if they're planning to bring it back for the finale. You did actually get some audio of Ruth Wilson in this episode, um, who played Alison, who obviously died in the last season, and it really made you kind of. Realize how much this show misses her, but I have to say, the standout person in this final season has been Julia Goldani Tellez. I think I'm saying that right, who plays Whitney, who was just kind of the bratty kid all the way through. She has been ex- like just exceptional, proper MVP status. Um, so I can't wait for the finale. I don't know, I haven't actually got any clue at this point how they're going to close it out. Um, so that's The Affair, which I'm the only one watching, right?
2: No, I'm watching Are it as well. Are you watching it as yeah. Well? yeah, and I really, I was going to say, I really like the way I think the way it's dealt with, that, that it's own Me Too storyline. Yeah. Is so interesting.
1: And the fact that that's been a seed planted yes. from...
2: so clever, yeah. What,
1: seasons and seasons yeah, and seasons absolutely, ago. absolutely, yeah. They pick up an event that happened literally years ago yeah. that kind of was dealt with at the time-ish and then dropped and they've resurrected it in the final season.
2: It's so r- clever because mm. it's really, it, it's it's The most realistic and kind of believable attempt to do it because it, as you say, because it feels like the seed was sown so long ago, which is kind of how, how it happens. You know when you he- hear about famous people being accused of, of, of inappropriate behavior, it's just a really interesting, nuanced look at that whole thing and the way that it played out over the media, over TV interviews. It was so yeah. clever, so that was brilliantly done. As well as the whole, as you say, the whole the fires thing and the whole it's, it's a really ambitious show. It started out as, as one thing, I feel it's ended up yeah. being a thing that deals with epic ideas and I mean, situations. This yeah.
1: last season, in each season, actually, could be a, almost a completely different show, yeah, yeah. with completely different concerns yeah. um, and as you say this me too thing which has just kind of appeared but then you think about it, and it's been there all along way before kind of me too became a movement is really fascinating and um all power to the female writers i have to say yeah. who've done an absolutely yeah. sterling yeah. job this season and
2: clay spang is brilliant as well yeah. as the oily
0: twat right
2: actor director of his own stupid
0: film <laughs> <laughs> i've been uh, pressing on with jack ryan which you will be not surprised to hear i am enjoying enormously. So hang
1: on, you said you were going to go home and like sit in your pants and watch the entire thing in one day didn't yeah, you
0: yeah I had planned to do that it has a spanner has been thrown into the works in the form of work which you're making me do so uh, because of that I have not finished that Ryan yet but I'm, I'm getting on I'm getting on with
2: it the, the Amazon released the whole thing a day early and I can't work out why for the life of me like apart from just put out a press his, release <laughs> yeah, yeah so
1: John Krasinski yeah. announced they were like we got a press release going yeah. it's been released 24 hours early and John Krasinski has announced it via his Instagram yeah. which I understand if there's a thematic link so I remember when Orange is the New Black was kind of at its height they um, sent a tweet out saying released early for good behaviour Orange is the New Black yeah, and it good. was a genius like marketing ploy because it works mm. with a prison drama and they yeah. released it 24 hours earlier everybody ran home from work to watch it this is not that
2: no it's weird for no reason yeah. this has dropped but anyway early. but now it's you don't even have to k- 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 check the link that we get sent you can watch the whole thing already now well, on Amazon right.
0: marvellous yeah now time for news and there can only be one news story this week. Isn't that right, Terry? Since you brought it with you into the pod booth, it's that she's looking at me blankly, <laughs> it's because there's a new issue of Pilot TV magazine, I was remember?
1: Like, <laughs> looking at my looking at my baby bum. No, looking at my shoes. We know you're
0: pregnant, that's not look, news.
1: I was literally like, Yes, yes, James, thank you for asking about <laughs> um, this. This this in my hand, which you cannot see because this is the medium of audio, is the new issue of Pilot T V magazine, which is out with empire on newsstands now it is our review of the year issue. Um, looking back, because let's be frank, right, it has, and we said this last year, but fuck me, it's been a brilliant year for telly. Mm. Like properly, properly brilliant and properly diverse and rich and traditional channels and streaming channels and new talent and established franchises, like it's it's been exceptional, probably even better than last year. But we're also, because we are highlight we're also looking forward at what's coming up so we've got a crown feature um, we spoke to um, four members of the cast we've got the end of the fucking world story which we will be reviewing later anyway um, Jack Ryan for you James yes. in particular um, super, we, we somehow um, uh, decided supernatural would be a great idea <laughs> yes and that's where Helen
0: meets her destiny and finally gets to bang on about supernatural
1: Helen for those people who don't know is Helen O'Hara who is from Empire Magazine, has written a um, story about Supernatural. You have a story about Sons of Anarchy. Love a bit
0: of Sons of Anarchy. Um,
1: Friends, Friday Night Lights, Dracula, his dark materials. It is a banging issue of the magazine, and if you wanted to, you could buy it right now.
0: Yeah, that Sons of Anarchy is, of course, an 18-page diary of my rewatch of the (laughs) series. James explained in extraordinary detail. Yeah. Incredible that Terry agreed to that pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't see it coming either.
1: I mean, there's a franchise in there, right? Which is yeah. like. James, well, I'm not going to give him the idea. I am no, gonna give, I was just like, I'm not actually going to tempt you into uh, commissioning yourself for yeah. a I mean, franchise named after you.
0: The best thing in the magazine is, of course, the previously on The Expanse, uh, oh, where yeah. I take half a page to explain everything that has happened in The Expanse so far. Didn't you love reading that, Terry?
1: Every time you mention The Expanse, I think you're talking about Fire Escape and every time you, you mention Fire Escape, I think you're talking about The Expanse.
2: One's got Muppets and the other one doesn't. Unless The Expanse also... No, has there's Muppets no same. Muppets. Right, there yeah. are no Muppets in I The I did have the great pleasure because I because I organised that uh, first section of the magazine of saying the words James, can you write this thing about the expanse?
0: <laughs> and you going, yep, yep, <laughs> yep, I'm on it. In fact, seconds later, yeah. it was delivered. Here you go. Um, but second only to the arrival of the new pilot TV magazine, I would say the big news this week is that Game of Thrones has had a bit of a shocker. It has. Uh, so Jane Goldman's prequel series to Game of Thrones, one starring Naomi Watts, is no more it has like king's landing been consumed in a torrent of dragonfire and it's gone they killed it what which is a bit <laughs>
1: i'm just so you just had more energy in that one sentence than i've seen you have for weeks
0: <laughs> you're not enjoying my my dragonfire <laughs> metaphor um, yeah this this was a real shot so they they wrapped on this a while ago they would shot the pilot they obviously looked at it and i guess it didn't pass muster now this is something that happened to the original Game of Thrones pilot yeah. as well. I mean, they looked at that and went, "Nope, this is shit," uh, and they recast the whole thing and reshot it. So, yeah, but
1: they reshot it with the same.
0: Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, a, yeah it this was. I think a, it was a casting this issue. This
1: is a different yes. deal.
0: This is a. They just have rejected. The concept, and I think Goldman told the cast that it was not going to happen, and that would have been obviously a bit of a serious blow to HBO. So they very, very quickly followed it by with another story, saying that they'd greenlit officially the other prequel series, which has not been cancelled and is going ahead. This is House of the Dragon, and this is based on the recent kind of history prequely book that Martin released while well, he should have been writing the next in the series, uh, which is called Fire and Blood, and this is about House Targaryen and takes place, I think, about 300 years before the series. So it's another kind mm. of prequely thing. Because the other one was thousands of years before. The other one mm. was thousands of years, took place, it, you know, it was wild. The weird
2: thing is, I think, is that George R. Martin yes. is is intrinsically involved in both of these things. So yeah. he's gone from co-creating with Jane Goldman, I believe, yeah. the other one that's been axed, and uh-huh. now co-creating the new one, yeah. which has been... With Ryan Condal. It's really weird. How does
1: that work? Because uh, yeah. isn't that I don't know. kind of, some kind of conflict of... <laughs> right.
2: Interest? I mean, and
1: did both filmmaking teams know essentially they were in, God in, so in some it's, kind of competition. This feels right? like,
0: like the Game of Thrones equivalent of Bake Off, except we didn't get to see the show, <laughs> we just heard the results yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. Like, they put Fire and Blood in and it came out lovely and toasty and the other one, I guess, just didn't rise.
2: God, well done.
0: Yeah. Um, good good Bake Off <laughs> metaphor there. I'm really annoyed about it, because I thought, because I think, you know, Jane Gunn was
2: great and the whole idea of it was interesting and I'm, I'm furious, I'm I'm gutted.
0: Well, this will, of course, r- chart the rise and downfall of House Targaryen, so that, that's something to look forward to, isn't it?
2: I know. Do you know what it feels? I mean, it just feels like focusing on, on, on the dragons and all that feels like slightly the easy way of doing it, whereas the other one felt like something it was, it was going to look at race and, you know, mm. um,
0: it seemed more, I don't know, it just seemed more exciting to me. I mean, we're speculating. We don't have no idea why they chose one over the other and why they didn't just go ahead with both. Yeah. Uh, there a no
1: way they could have done
0: that. Well, done both of them? No. Why not?
1: What, consecutively or like...
0: Could simultaneously. <laughs> no. Work them both out there. No. All the dragons, all the time, can't get enough of it.
1: Just to really confuse people who are yeah. already quite confused. Yeah. I
0: would not be confused. This was all part, of, we should say, this was all part of the HBO
2: Max announcement. The announcement of the one that is going ahead was part of that. So this is this massive streaming service, mm. HBO's big stream, that will not be here at all until at least kind of mid-2020s because Sky have an output deal with HBO to show all their stuff yeah. already and that is going to carry on. And so. they've
0: got, um, uh, isn't Rick and Morty in South Park? Yeah. yeah, they've, they've, they've spent so half they've...
2: a billion on, on South Park. I mean, like, you know, like well spent. Netflix spent Half a billion on Seinfeld. It's really, I mean, if you've if you've created your own <laughs> show, a long running show with loads of episodes yeah. that people quite liked or even really liked, you are fucking minted because the amount of money that's going around is extraordinary. I mean, you know, and, and all the loads of, this, I mean, they, they they announced, I think, dozens of new stuff for this HBO Max. There's a whole press day in the states, and you know, and they're basically saying, you know, our model is throw tons and tons of stuff at you and make the massive library of every Superman film ever made, every every Batman ever made. Contrasting with Apple, who are going, ah, yeah. well, we're only having original new stuff for three things. Well, I'm exactly, you know, seven things on launch yeah. day. It's such an interesting
0: contrast. Well, we'll see. Or rather, we won't, because it's not coming no, here well, we forever.
2: See, well, we will see the
0: new HBO stuff, presumably, on Sky. Yeah, yeah, which is fine, because we already have that. It's fine. Hooray. Yeah. Anything else, people?
1: Yeah, I want to talk about um, this... Uh... HBO limited series that Adam McKay is developing. Oh, which yes, is the, the Epstein, mm, Epstein one. Mm. Um, Epstein, Epstein. You say tomato. <laughs> I say tomato. Let's call the whole thing governor mm. I mean, I'm dressed like a tomato today.
2: <laughs> uh, well, you're wearing red.
1: <laughs> earlier I was yeah. wearing a red hat and oh, a red seen, dress and the a the red full. coat. Would oh, it not have been okay. a
2: green hat? I haven't seen the full.
1: Technically, don't be a ballad. <laughs> uh, so, um... Adam Kay, who's obviously a fucking genius. um, And it's apparently, uh, it hasn't got a title yet, still in development, but it's based on this upcoming book about Epstein, Epstein, tomato, tomato, um, which is by an investigative reporter from the Miami Herald... um, I I mean, I presume they're trying to get this book out as soon as possible, given what has happened. Um, And he is set to direct the pilot as well. Um, And he's got this new five-year first-look deal with HBO, which is obviously the perfect home for him right like Mm -hmm. there could not be a better fit Um, I'm really excited about the book I don't know if either of you have read them She Said which is the book by the New York Times Pulitzer winning journalists about the Harvey Weinstein investigation and obviously Ronan Farrow's just brought out his book which is all about his part in the kind of Weinstein downfall these kind of I suppose part memoir part craft stories by journalists about these very big very public cases which really get into the nitty gritty of the process and the reporting and all the behind the scenes stuff which just feels like perfect source material for Adam McKay right when you think about what he's Mm. done Um, so I really hope the development goes well and we get to see it
2: yeah no it's exciting because he did he directed the first episode of Succession of course of course did a fucking brilliant job just saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, have you seen The Trade for Dracula No, I saw that it had dropped and I really wanted to watch it and I didn't
2: get a chance. Was it good? Yes, it's really good. And uh, it instantly showed, you know, they're doing Mark Gates and Stephen Moffat, who um, are interviewed in the Newish of Pike TV, um, just have a way of making, you know, a thing, an iconic character that we all think we know and we all, the story's been told because of times before, it was so exciting. It just looks great. It's exciting. There's stuff in it. they are like, oh, interesting. And it, it really worked for me. I thought, oh, this is, this is going to be good.
0: I will definitely watch that, both the trailer and the show. Good. Uh, boy, did you see that uh, a first look at Admiral Picard's uniform <laughs> leaked on... Well, it wasn't leaked. They released it. Hang
1: on, hang on. So I get the shit ripped out of me for talking about um, Daleks yeah. on the... Clifton Suspension Bridge. Yes, you do. And you're going to just you're just about to do a whole new segment on Picard's uniform. Yeah. Okay, mm. carry on.
0: Excellent. So, <laughs> they released a close-up of like his his collar and lapels, which was exciting enough, but then also there's a comic What's that's it? come out, Star Trek Picard the comic, which has him on the cover wearing this new uniform, and it's kind of it's really interesting. It's got gold bits and stripes and a weird negative space thing with, with lines that go down the front and on the shoulders. So, it's a it's a hitherto never-before-seen type of Starfleet uniform.
1: Hitherto.
0: Hitherto, hitherto, hitherto never-before-seen. Never seen. I'm not sure those words go together, but <laughs> frankly, for Picard, I'm willing to make that a first. Great. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the Witcher trailer as well. I know that it's coming out on 20th December. I saw that. That was very yeah, exciting. That's been but been the interesting. trailer yeah. came out the yesterday. The trailer came out yesterday, yeah. This is the new trailer, isn't it? No, I've not watched yeah. that either. But I loved the first trailer, which I thought was brilliant and Terry thought was rubbish.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The second trailer was better. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited yeah. about The Witcher. Yeah. Comes out it looks birthday. like it's going to be very adult. There's going to be sex oh, yeah. things and stuff. Well, the, the stories are very, very sexy. Oh, okay. And the games are a bit porny. Right. So, yeah, uh, I think yeah. they're embracing that element of it, seemingly. Good. Good. Good, good, good. Any other news? I know that Ewan uh, McGregor is saying he's going to be shooting the Obi-Wan TV show next year in the summer, I believe. So, you know, that's happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about this David E. Kelly and John Stamos. Moss show yeah Boy, okay. do you have that as well why you do that james this has got you fucking written all over it, oh, it like now? seriously um so it's a disney plus well disney plus have ordered 10 episodes of this it's a dramedy hold on to your knickers um <laughs> set, in the, <laughs> set in the world of girls high school basketball it's called big shots uh-huh. right and it's a one-hour series and he stay mosque Classically, Classics Deimos plays a temperamental basketball coach, probably got a terrible temper, probably got a bit of a drinking problem, <laughs> probably divorced from his second wife and sees his kids once a month. Um, and he basically gets fired and has to take a job teaching and coaching at this elite girls' school. I'm presuming that the previous team he taught were boys and the fact that he's down on his arse is why he's having to teach <laughs> girls instead. And... Um, I am so here for this and I don't know anything about it other than that but John Stamos disgruntled slightly dodgy basketball teacher David E. Kelly yes I mean,
0: yes that yeah. sounds quite compelling David E. Kelly does Friday Night Lights in basketball
1: with vaginas
0: yes I mean that's that's quite the elevator <laughs> yeah, that pitch is, I'm right sure there. that was the that pitch. was almost certainly it <laughs>
2: Right. Um, I wanted to mention this is my favorite. This is my favorite TV story of the week. Actually, that Fremantle, which is a big, huge, big production company, is developing a high-end in quotes TV drama series about the life of Benjamin Netanyahu. Wow. Yes, the controversial. Some would say. Dickish, yes, Israeli Prime Minister. And I mean, I can't wait for this. Benjamin Netanyahu, famous, of course, for being an Alan Partridge quote because Lynn, his uh, PA, is obsessed with it. Lynn, why are you so <laughs> obsessed with Benjamin Netanyahu? <laughs> and so Lynn will be very happy for a start. And so we'll because I think it'll be intriguing and fascinating. There you go. No news yet as to who's going to be cast in the role of the dickhead. Well,
0: Benjamin Netanyahu. We shall await with bated breath. Uh, but until that is announced, shall we move on yes. to a guest? This is Jason Momoa and Alfred Woodard who have, uh, who dropped by to talk about C. Their science fiction show on Apple Plus. It <laughs> takes place in a world where everyone is blind and periodically masturbates while praying. Isn't that right, Boyd? Exactly right. It is. Do they have fascinating things to say about that? Well, we address the masturbation full on. Well,
2: let's find out how that went. Welcome to Alfred Woodard and Jason Momoa. You're talking about C, which is a new show on Apple TV Plus. You're pioneers in this new streaming service. And the show is an extraordinary new concept. What was your initial reaction to the whole idea of it, the whole idea of this world where people cannot see where they're blind and where they have to carry on their life somehow with that factor involved? What was your reaction to that, Alfred?
3: Oh, well, that's why I joined up. But I always like I always like a challenge. I always like to have to discover something or learn something when I work. Uh, that way, you're never bored. And if you're never bored, your viewers won't be bored. So I, I jumped on as soon as I heard that Stephen Knight had created this world and that Francis Francis Lawrence was going to be in charge as the director. And once I started to read it, I could not. There was a page turn that I kept going, oh my God, oh no. But I couldn't envision how it could happen. So. That's when I really wanted to be there to see it.
2: Jason, the, the whole idea of creating a show around where the whole cast, pretty much the adult cast as well, at least, cannot see, is an extraordinary, bold concept. Did you? Were you there for that immediately, or did you think, how is this going to work?
4: No, I mean, it was. I was on board the moment I read it. I think I got three pages in and called my agent back and said, give me this now." I think it was. I think everything I've done in my career has led to this role. Um, because I can take little pieces from every little character and then that haven't been able to express everything they wanted to his characters in the sense of like, you know, Drogo never got past. He just fell in love and that was it. He never got to have babies. He never got to raise those children. He never got to lose those, that his family and, and, you know, Declan, you never got to see him beforehand. And so it really, it's just like a huge arc of, all the things I've ever done and wanted to do. And so I feel like it was the perfect role for me and where I'm at my career. And, and, uh, I'd had to have it, it was beautiful. And then you add the blindness to the whole piece. It's, it's an extreme challenge for me. Yeah. I mean, think about doing a fight scene where you can't see it's not, <laughs> I mean, I've trained my whole life to be able to do like that whole opening scene is You'll know i'm not looking at anyone like when they're swinging stuff i mean you can't be sitting there staring at it yeah you've got to you know just feel through your body and stuff and so it's it's tough
2: yeah i was watching that quite closely to see how how the how you're you constantly
4: walk. touching someone so you're constantly right. moving like like when i'm doing that one move that kind of goes around him you're constantly staying in contact like it's so we developed all different types of fighting styles for baba and um you know he's a master at fighting and so like generally i'm always I'm not saying much, I'm doing everything through action and through my body language. And, uh, you know, now I get to do it all, but it's really, it's my body language is, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say.
3: <laughs> you, <laughs> no. said yeah, you said it. You said it, like, I
4: just being able to, yeah, yeah, speak a lot to my, to my body. Yeah.
3: And says you- a lot also about the, the our stunt, your stunt guys, yeah. stunt coaches. Yeah. And safety, because, you know, going full blast like that and not making eye contact, where you usually have to know specifically where you're, th- you know, that club or that sword is hitting so that you don't injure each other. Yeah. But a lot of lot of work, a lot of mm-hmm. rehearsal and trust.
2: Is you, We see you at the beginning of the first episode. You're in a very intimate scene, really. Yeah. You couldn't be more intimate in a way, helping these but babies come out of their mother. Um, but is that equal, it harder in a way to do such inferences with remembering that you can't see, your character cannot see? No,
3: no, no it's, it's not hard. It just takes focus. But I love how. Uh, how we launch, how the whole sea sets off, going between, you know, life coming in and life going out, and like the physical strength and the brutality. And I love the fact that, you know, Bo Lion and other women warriors are in there kicking ass with Baba and Arka, uh, the quartermaster, uh, and then back to the scene that is just as uh, rigorous for Magra, for Hera Hilmar, Baba Voss's mm. lady. Uh, and Baba Voss is Jason's character, of trying to get those babies out in a cave in that world where, you know, three out of ten babies live.
2: It's an interesting idea as well, and, and it's, it's typical for us, I think, as British people, for Stephen Knight, we know him as being an incredibly bold, brave writer of TV. Were you aware of his work? Were you aware of Peaky Blinders? Oh, yeah. yeah, That's definitely <laughs> a
4: reason for signing on, too, him yeah. and Francis, and then obviously Geno and theater i mean it it was really a perfect storm of like that and then launching apple i'm like it's an honor to be at the at the helm of you know our show's the biggest show and apple like kicking it all off i'm like (laughs) That's pretty exciting. I don't to blush. I mean, you can't Dad, see it on a podcast. But Mom and Dad liked us <laughs> yeah, best.
3: <I>
4: <laughs> Mom and Dad liked us the best. I said,
3: yes to, I said yes when they said Stephen Knight's name. They yeah. said, I'll read it first. And I said, okay, but yes.
4: Yeah. Best script I've ever read. Really? Yeah. Really. And, what, and can you pin down why? What elements of it? Because was? you can't see yet. It's extremely visual, with yes. the way he writes. And so you can see every department. I, as a filmmaker, because I love a lot more than just acting. And I, I could see the world. I could see the costumes. I could, you could taste it. You could feel it. And his, his writing is just that way. So it's extremely visual. You can't see anything, which just gets your mind going. And you can also just see the editing of it all and not, it's something you haven't done before. So I
3: I find Steven a, a very literate person. And sometimes uh, when people are translating to the to the screen that they they lose that he he has uh, I think of him having you know being a literate person um, just in uh, you know a narrative form uh, of storytelling but he also has developed this cinematic literacy at the same time, so that's what I was drawn to as well. Yeah.
2: There's an epic sweep to it, isn't there? Yes. Um, which you kind of, you know, in the whole setting and world building and all of that, we're used to, but I think he imbues it with a kind of weirdness as well, like-
3: Well, it's, th- it's Greek. It's like doing, right. it's the Greeks.
2: All right. There's one thing I need to ask you about, which neither of you were in, but I thought it crystallized how bold this show is gonna be where the queen, suddenly in the middle of the show, I think the phrase I'm using is pleasures herself. Do you, mm-hmm. what, what was your reaction when you read that scene? That was amazing.
3: I think I went, yikes! <laughs> right.
2: It's a yikes moment, isn't
3: it? Yeah. And that's... I and I actually questioned myself. It was like, Sylvia like, well, Hooks is. But it's also like just brave. questioning
4: religion, too. I'm like, and all the ridiculous things that uh-huh. we've been done. And like, I just think it's her, their whole idea of her, that's the most moment where you're, you know, The the act of an orgasm and like being like completely this holy thing, and them like sending that prayer up to the heavens or the God that they believe in. It's like, well, I can't not see that. I mean, it's just an interesting way that he, you know, he built this world. I'm like, why not?
3: But especially a world that is so, when you're without a a sense, your other senses are heightened. So you're, that's the the highest. Yeah, that's the highest
4: sensory overload where i'm like why wouldn't that be the holiest and
3: the ultimate of like control that, yeah the ultimate because she is a control like a person that is consumed by control the ultimate control for a person is their own pleasure certainly not their displeasure because that comes usually from the outside i wondered if as an actor i would have the brave the bravery <laughs> to do it but like it, I said, yeah.
4: I sat in that <laughs> the premiere just going like, yeah, oh, <laughs> just like, yeah. wow. I just don't have it in me to <laughs> yeah.
0: be able to pull
4: that off, man. <laughs> that was really. an admirable moment. I'll it. fight yeah. a fucking bear. <laughs> <you know what laughs> <mean? Yeah. laughs> It ain't a fake bear. It's a real bear. I'll find
2: him. I don't know if I'm gonna
3: be. It actually got a, a, a round of the only round of applause during the whole screening wow. came yeah. after that. That's
2: brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, fair enough. She deserves a round I of applause. Cool.
4: She's like at ah, <laughs> 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 the very end. Of it.
2: <laughs> but I think you're right. Crazy. It does say something, doesn't it, about power corrupting, and and the whole show feels like it's dealing with big ideas as well as having this epic sweep and being in you know, an interesting world. But it's, it seems the the witch finder element seems to Talking mm. about religion and kind of almost like the fascism that it can yeah. be of people in that world. Do you, do you think it's got parallels with what's going on today? Do you think there's, it's saying something about the world now?
3: Certainly. any Anything any human being is capable of, every human being is capable of at the highest level and at the lowest level and we don't reinvent the wheel so you know the Middle Ages, the barbarians, everything we can say like, oh, we, we've we developed f- far away from that. No, we've just translated it into another way of expressing it. But, you know, fascism isn't even creeping around the world and it's certainly not creeping in our society. It's just out in the open, you know, parading its b- naked ass around for us.
2: <laughs> it's true. It feels Thankfully. that way. Does it feel that way to you, Jason? It does. <laughs> you were talking about how this role is like the culmination of of your of your career in a way. Mm-hmm. What makes him different, though, to, to to those other all those other? You know, you have played literally your superhero in what, in 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 Aquaman, but it's, you
4: know, it's it's just being able to have all these by removing by removing vision, which is blinding in many ways and you're enhancing all these other senses and strengthening all these other senses. It's a, there's a vulnerability and there's like a heightened awareness and what you could do. I, I just think it's, um, you're a bit of an ultimate warrior where these other characters are like hiding behind or masking these certain things. I'm like, it's, I've never got to play anything this vulnerable before yet. He's at the height of like protecting his family and has to do these crazy things, but it's, it's very much like he's an animal just like really really he's a solid wolf a bear like yes he would do this for his baby cubs but then he's just going to be cuddling and so I'm like it's, it's just a beautiful role that um and then also having the like the shame and 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 uh disappointment in itself of not being able to hold his family together being this fucking man that can do all these things and and his his world is falling apart and he's just it's just rooted down to being a man trying to keep his family together a lot of people can identify with that and then being able to that struggle of not being able to see is just um and the world is getting so much bigger It used to be very small and he could contain it and the world got big and now we're out there and he can't keep them in because of the sight and they can so
3: It that just made me sad. No,
4: I'm just myself. <laughs> <laughs> Some
2: deep shit. All, I don't yeah,
3: really thought normal.
4: about it. I don't know how to fucking talk about
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the atmosphere like? Because it feels like you're filming in the wilderness. I mean, look, unless, <laughs> there's a lot of green screen going on. I don't know, but it looks very authentic.
3: We <laughs> always drove at least an hour and a half past where Leo and them were filming the revenant. Uh, so wow. we were in the dead up British Columbia wilderness all winter <laughs> Bears. <laughs> Pork yeah. pierogies for lunch. It is bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> those are the two things you remember, but the bears and the pork pierogies. Yeah. Okay. Jason, are you used? To, you must be used to that kind of those kind I'm of challenges. It, yeah. yeah,
4: I'm used to it. I'm an outdoorsman, so I mean, like to me, it's a perfect job. I mean, I came, co- you know, I built an earth roamer <laughs> that I pretty much live out, and it lives, it's off the grid. So I mean, I enjoy it, yeah, because I can get my stuff out there, and I just like being out in nature, so.
3: Plus you did Frontier, that was insane. I mean Frontier was way yes. worse. insane, was
4: insane. Yeah, right. uh, uh, yeah, the whole thing was insane. Well this is a little bit more, I mean we threw a lot of money at this, so there's a lot of more comforts in in, in in this Apple than there is in the on the Frontier stuff. Right. And I shot, when I directed season three, I only did it with six people. So we'd go to those caves I and mean, then we went to places you could never get to, no one could ever get to with a crew. And uh, oh. that's what I wanted to, and I just took my boys and my crew, but it
2: was it's amazing. I mean, there's been talk about how big the budget is for this show. It does feel like it's a huge, big movie-style thing, which I guess we talk about peak TV and the golden age of TV. It all feels like that. Does this feel like the place now where the big creativity and the big ambition is?
3: You know, I don't... Because I don't pay attention to dollars and cents, uh, much to my husband's chagrin, but (laughs) I just know (laughs) we had unlimited ability to make things happen. So over 600 people on a crew probably 300 actors all together but also making things in ways that we don't make them now no drills no visible we didn't even use nails and screws yeah. we they actually built things only in the way we could have so so that takes time and and it takes money but I don't I I don't I always judge it by the you were able to pull off the vision you needed. And, you know, I guess in life it costs money, but I don't pay attention to money.
2: And when you saw it back, when you, the first screening of it, when you saw it, what, did, it, did it look like how you imagined it was going to be in your head when you saw the finished product? Yeah, it was amazing.
4: You know what's interesting is that even though we went to those such great lengths in everything, and every fine detail, which you need to, s- to show the whole world and it's absolutely needed, when it got down to the, like, the real acting nitty gritty, we would just it would just be yo, and Francis and the actors,
3: mm.
4: and 600 people would be away from us. And we'd just be in this village. And it would just get down to like, Francis was right there, behind camera, close actors and just super intimate. And that's the beauty of it. Because sometimes, you know, he just made everyone disappear. So all everywhere we looked 360 degrees, everyone was out of the way. And then we just in that world. And even when we were inside the huts, we were at the location that took hours to get there. We weren't on a studio stage. You walk out of that tent, boom, we were in like this unbelievable location, which made you feel always like you're in that village, which I think shows oh, absolutely. And, and everything. So yeah. that was Francis's vision going like, yes, it would be cheaper to be in a soundstage, have the lighting and, 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 and cheap it that way. But it's not. He wanted a, and it's a
2: three-hour movie that he put together on, on his watch. Yeah, the authenticity is incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Yes. Jason Good and Alfred, man. thank you. That was Jason Moore and Alfred Woodard. Time now for reviews. And we begin this week with a show that has been described, in my opinion, wildly and accurately, as Derry Boys. <laughs> I am, of course, referring to Peter Foote's Cork-based comedy. The Young Offenders, which is inspired by his 2016 film and focuses on two Irish lads, Connor McSweeney and Jock O'Keefe and the various hilarious exploits they get up to. I found this both young and offensive. But Terry, I have a sneaking feeling that you probably loved this to death.
1: Start with why you hated it. Go on.
0: It was not funny. It <laughs> <Right>. was forced. <laughs> they were irritating. It was stupid. I hated every single person in it. Um, oh, the, did it the, not
1: pass your, your the bell, bell end test? test
0: no, but it was, just, it was just, and the thing with the egg, and it was just, oh no, just a whole world of no. I just, and the thing with this is like, so Derry Girls is really well observed, really sharply written, really funny, also quite poignant at times whereas this it was playing for that lowest common denominator of humor which really rubs me up the wrong way where it just assumes everyone watching it is as stupid as the characters in it so i know i was i was i was not amused i did not like it you did didn't you
1: i did i oh. thought it had so much charm so when i started watching it i was like i think there is often with these kind of shows there can be a level of patronization which is, you know, depicting certain communities in this country which aren't often, aren't often depicted. And these two lads are proper scallies. They're criminals, you know. One of them's got somebody pregnant. There's all of the kind of tropes mm-hmm. and cliches you'd expect. They're both on the surface, quite stupid, um, terrible haircuts, terrible... I mean, just all of the things you would expect. The reason I did see the um, comparison to Derry Girls is the warmth and the charm, which isn't necessarily immediately obvious, but they pack it in in a 30-minute episode. And I actually found it super moving. The whole thing in this episode is um, it's Jock, right? Chris Wally is given an egg. He's got his girlfriend pregnant, and his father in law um, played by P J. Gallagher, who I have to say is hilarious, gives him this egg and says, "If you can look after this egg, then you can, then you can prove that you can look after a child essentially and the whole thing is around him trying to keep to protect this egg and obviously there 's way more going on about responsibility and about um, the capability of of teenagers to be parents and about the meaning of family and his relationship with his own dad and his mom. i mean I thought there was so much going on but it's also just dead funny did you not find any of it funny I did
0: not even smile also I feel you're lending it a profundity that it perhaps does not deserve like this is bear in mind an episode that features a sex scene which features that age old trope of oh the PA system's on and nobody but knows there's a
1: bre- there's a brilliant yeah, bit where but he it goes was really it was really funny oh my funny. god and he goes um, oh I've always imagined my first time would be somewhere really classy <laughs> like a house and I just cracked me up I think do you know you know what i think this is like This is a class thing, motherfucker, because you are, because I recognize that humor. I recognize that kind of like surface humor and defensiveness and like all the kind of things that people presume about you. And the smallest of interactions that they have, which actually reveal, which is where the profundity, as you call it, came from. Um, And it's not heavy handed and it is delicately done and it is also stupid and slapsticky. The tonal shifts between. Um, slapstick humour and what I felt was really genuine emotion I really enjoyed mm. and by the end of the episode I was completely won over.
2: It's not a class thing. It's a James doesn't fucking get comedy. <laughs> is for it that? Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> well, We're back at that I it, it. may I love well it. be that. Could they, it be both? Uh, well, I, they, don't, they don't come more much on middle class than me apart from James <laughs> um, and I absolutely fucking love it and it is oh. it's hilariously funny. Of course, it, it's a sitcom. It uses Tropes as uh, so yeah, there just yeah. uses ideas that we've seen a million times before in sitcoms, like the one you're talking about, the accidental loudspeaker thing. But it, I, I'm, it's how well you do it. It's how well you carry out these these things we've seen many times before, and it, did, it does it so well. And it does it, it spins on the head of a pin. It that does totally yeah. like because I think we used to. I mean, Derry Girls does this. So Derry Girls will have funny, 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 and then penultimate scene something really moving. Yes. Yeah. Whereas this is doing funny, moving, funny, moving, yep. funny, moving all the way through. Where were the moving bits? Oh just a little moment where the mother of his yeah. child realises actually he is going to pay some attention you know to the fact that he's the father of the child just a look it's on a little look where and five seconds before it was a bit of slapstick removing the egg and it that and it does it honestly it does it really well I thought it was I, I loved the first series you know we had an article in the very first issue of Quiet yeah. TV which was a, a love letter to the show mm, it's honestly I remember yeah such a
1: surprising de- the, and what you're talking about is delicacy which you yeah. don't expect so you think they turn up and they've got these these haircuts, their fringes are right up literally into the hairline. <laughs> yeah. They look like the Chuckle Brothers and they look ridiculous. Everything about them, everything about the setup is ridiculous. And, and the way they do that so delicately, and as you mm. say, it's one line, it's two words, it's a look... I mean the relationship between the mother and this. I mean that just like
2: yeah, that was exactly me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. me.
2: Let me. Ask, did you actually watch the whole episode? I because, did watch uh, every single what minute. What I would say, okay, so what I was going to say, is it does start with a very slapstick scene yes. of them kind of the
0: stealing of the bike, the stealing of the bike, and Which, going through the shopping centre. Okay so th- that, yep. that was that was pure stupidity that the idea that they were going to steal these policemen's bikes and they were like we want to do it subtly, so we're going to walk really slowly and so they walk in slow motion towards these bikes to steal them and right off the bat I was like this show is fucking have you
1: stupid. ever seen a sitcom of yeah, right, right. course I have yeah, yeah. <laughs> but,
0: but, but see see, but even something along those lines for example it's, it brings to mind that scene in Four Lions you know when they're like oh if you shake your head backwards and water really fast you don't show up on CCTV and that's really funny because it's just done much more there's more of a new wants to it there's there's a lighter touch to it i felt with this it felt like it Oh don't give me, that.
1: don't give me that fucking intellectual snobbery. Chris Morris did it so well yeah. in his fucking yeah. independent film yeah. Four Lions versus this BBC Three. And let me just say that like this did incredibly well when it the film, which was the first thing out, which was 2016, it 17, was 16, yeah. Um, made more than a million at the Irish box mm. office. Like this is like properly mm. connected with people and it's been yeah. a really big hit for BBC Three. And I think there's an element of snobbery going on here, James. Dyer. Yeah, there, is. Of there is intellectual snobbery.
0: I love Dairy Girls, which is fantastic, and that makes me laugh. This is broader and it's moving. It's interesting because this,
2: is, this broader. is broader. It goes broad. I think. I think. I mean, I love Dairy Girls, but I think there is a bravery to this, oh. which is slightly different because it goes for broad, really full on, like Only Fools and Horses style. You know, we're going, and yet, I mean, it's it's nicely filmed. You know, everything these days is. You know, it's not it's not a studio sitcom. So it's a kind of it's it's very well put together. And Paul Foot does a really good j- Paul Foot Sorry, <laughs> Peter Foot does, a, I think, a really good job of, of directing and writing it. But it has a sitcom broadness to which it embraces, and it, and I think it does it so well. I think, and I think the, the relationship between those two main characters, these doofuses who are mm. ostensibly really stupid, and yet, and yet, are they really? That's the there's a yes. fucking genius. That, yes, no, they are. No, no. <laughs> because they're having a fucking good time, and they also know just when to pull back from certain things. It's really cleverly done, and just for this line only, which I think I'm sure
0: Terry will identify with, let's scan the shit out of this fetus.
3: <laughs> it deserves five stars.
0: I think I think to be fair, what you may have to have to know, I just broad comedy is something that I have, as I think we've established over some long period of time, I struggle with. Yes. And not just that I don't find it funny, I often find broad comedy just quite Irritating, almost bordering yeah. kind on of offensive. Yeah, of so I think that's why this this just rubbed me up the wrong way from the from the from the get go. From the slow motion bike thing, I was like, nope, not not for me.
1: I did think when I was watching this this week, I was like, I wish I had a live stream today. <laughs> <again." laughs> as he was watching yeah. this minute by oh. minute. I would not like to jump to conclusions, but I would assume that once it had got your back up, it would have been hard for it to pull I, I you think
0: around. I was lost at that point. I think I decided that first scene. I decided this is not my kind of comedy. Yeah, I, I, I did th- watch that. Whole thing though, like, I didn't. Turn what it I was going to say. So
2: I'm. I started to say I Which is, that I think in, I'm slightly irritated. I was also thinking of what you'd think of it, and I was thinking, yeah. oh, he's not going like this, and. It, it did That scene was so big and slapsticky. You know, and of course, he's supposed to be going to see his the scan of his yeah. child. And instead, he's riding on bikes and stealing things and going through it. And it is big. It, it started, but I think they thought, you know, let's start big and bold. It could have started more quietly, you know. And you probably, I think, you would have preferred it then. But, you know, they went for it and, and good luck to them.
0: Well, it's not for me, but it might well be for you. Uh, that is The Young Offenders. It airs on BBC One on Monday, November the 11th at 10.35 p.m. Correct. And I think it's all on the iPlayer on BBC Three as well. Oh, goody. (laughs) Uh, Next up this week... Is a show that, in title at least, certainly sums up the current state of the world. Uh, debuting in 2017, The End of the Fucking World, starred Alex Lawther as a young sociopath who goes on an unlikely road trip with classmate Alyssa, played by Jessica Barden, with the intention of murderizing her at the earliest opportunity. Needless to say, it doesn't play out quite as you'd expect, and without getting into spoilers, season one ends with some rather major events. This second season shifts gears quite significantly and introduces an entirely new character in the form of Naomi Aki's Bonnie. Boyd, yes. was this little slice of romantic nihilism your cup of tea? Very much so, yeah. I,
2: I, I love the first series. Um, I think, in a way, it feels like um, The End of the Fucking World felt a little bit like a kind of sister to um, Fleabag. And it's got that... It's interesting because both are quite short. They're both episodes are less than half an hour long. Um, Channel Four showing it stripped across the week in double bills because I think they probably thought, oh, you know, people are going to tune for 22 minutes. It's not quite enough. Um, And it's got that... It's very stylish. It's stylized. It looks great. You know, on presumably not a huge budget. It is is a co-production with Netflix which shows it everywhere around the world. But still, you know, it's a kind of it's a fairly small scale thing really but it looks beautiful it's got that kind of um, also stylized ex- exaggerated way of dialogue it's got an incredibly kind of offbeat, off-kilter tone to it which I love and yet at the same time it feels real and authentic which is the, that thing that again I keep coming back to Fleabag, mm. the thing that Fleabag does and I think it is it's almost up there on that level of just heightened realism that's so clever and so witty almost every di- line of dialogue works and hits home and it's really been thought through. Charlie Covell who adapted it does a brilliant job I think she's a fantastic talent um, and scene for scene, I'm trying, and it, it, we can't spoil anything because, um, as you, apart from the fact that this new character, and it starts with a new character, and what happens to her is interconnected with yes. what with various things that happen in season one. More than that, we shouldn't say. But instantly, I was riveted, as I was from the very first episode when I saw it with well, that go out last time. It's so cleverly compelling and gripping, and the characters are drawn so brilliantly that you feel you know them after about five minutes of meeting them. Mm. It's just got all that
0: to it. I think it's great and I'm really excited that it's back. See, I never saw season one and I was a little bit worried going into this. Did you have a little recap which was helpful? But just going into this and taking it in isolation without knowing any of the sort of connective tissue that kind of ties this in, this, I found this absolutely mesmerising. Mm. Its use of silence, I thought, is quite pronounced. Like they're not afraid to just let scenes sit without yeah. anyone saying anything. we just... Conveying the feelings through facial expression, through pauses, um, but it's it's kind of darkly comic. It's it's it packs an awful lot of punch into the scenes that it has. And again, I'm trying to sort of tiptoe around sort of the subject matter. And the subject matter it deals with is quite heavy as well. Yeah, yeah. But there's a particular scene I enjoyed where uh, Naomi Aki walks into a convenience store uh, to buy some things over the counter and meet someone she used to know. And just the exchange between them, I thought, was absolutely genius. It happens quite early on, and it tells you an awful lot, and also sets up the whole episode. So this has absolutely made me want to go back and watch the whole of the first season. And as you said, they're really short episodes, so it won't even take that long. Mm. Um, so yeah, looking forward to this. Terry, did you see season one?
1: I did, and I loved it. And you know, it's got all the references that I love. It's very David Lynch, it's very Wild at Heart, it's very True Romance, Tarantino. It's It's got all of those kind of, especially visual references Um but, actually, because this first um, episode of Season 2, which does focus on Naomi Aki's new character, it doesn't really matter if you've seen Season mm. 1 or not. You can completely yeah. watch it in isolation. I have to say she is magnificent oh my god she is so poised and weird and considered and there, I mean there are just a couple of amazing scenes in this because I kind of hate kooky and offbeat for the sake of being kooky and, oh mm. look we're so clever we're going to be it's not that at all no, it's really? just so smart there's a scene involving lipstick and that's mm. all, all I'm going to say and I was just like as a way of demonstrating the storytelling point they were trying to make it was just Just brilliant, like absolutely brilliant. Such a weird scene. Um, I mean, the production design is insane. That whole kind of um, heavily stylized suburban noir, it's absolutely beautiful. Cinematography is amazing. It is incredible. And I'm really excited to go see where this season goes, bearing in mind, obviously, the first was based on the comic book series and the comic end ends where the first season ends so we've kind of got this blank slate Mm. blank slate blank page clean slate blank clean page
2: slate slate, slate. it's a slate
1: (laughs) and we we know and we don't know exactly what happened to james um and we know there might be some kind of new guy on the scene but that's pretty much all they've put out there so far and we obviously don't see much of Alyssa at all in this first episode Which I, again, last night I was watching this first one really late and I was like, shall I go to sleep or shall I watch the second one? Like, it's got that compulsive, like, need to keep watching, Mm. need to keep watching, which is what I found about the first one. I watched the first one all in one go on Netflix, actually. Not when it first appeared on Channel 4. Um, I just think this is remarkable.
2: It is fantastic. And it also, like a lot of the... Kind of best things we've seen recently. Um, I'm thinking of you for it. It's about damaged young people as yeah. well. In a very in a, in, and I think that's why it's been a massive phenomenon with young people, young, younger people than us.
1: I think in a proper true way. So I think it was yeah, El, it's, Emily Nuss but I can never that's say that's right. It. Yeah,
2: from, so New Yorker, from yes. the New Yorker. From the New Yorker who
1: said it was, who really kind of went in on how authentic a portrayal this is of of kind of teenage nihilism. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Obviously, it's very pronounced and very exaggerated in terms of how that manifests itself in a plot perspective, but that kind of interior life they're showing mm. and that level of dissatisfaction and disconnection with the world, I just think is done beautifully.
0: So continuing the trend started in this season of Bake Off then. Exactly. Excellent. At End of the Fucking World, which drops on Channel 4 on Monday, November the 4th, and you get two episodes then at 10pm. Lastly this week, we have the return of Skies Britannia. This is Jez Butterworth's historical epic in which David Morrissey is a Roman commander leading Caesar's legions in an attempt to subdue the Druid-worshipping natives of Britain. Uh, It sounds a lot like Game of Thrones with more woad, but the tone kind of veers from ultra-violence to an almost kind of Python-esque absurdity, which makes this something else entirely. Terry, I literally cannot wait to hear your reaction to this. Did Britannia rule?
1: (laughs) I mean, look... David Morrissey, what is David Morrissey doing, being the lead in this show?
0: What's wrong with David Morrissey? I love David Morrissey. David
1: Morrissey's amazing in, like, you know, good old gritty British things, like, and his these, these character's called something like General Aelus Platypus Platinus, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: that's I mean, not
1: even a real name. He's Roman, Terry. They it's just, a Roman they name. They should have just called him Rome the Roman, or I mean, Roman the Rome, like, I had no idea what's going on at all, apart from, there was some Roman invaders, there was some, celtic tribes the druids were all off their nut on something which i presume was drugs
2: um (laughs) you sounded very disapproving there drugs
1: um there was a moment where Steve steve pemberton came riding in on an elephant and i was like why is steve pemberton on an elephant what the fuck is happening why was he on an elephant?
2: He explained that later on because he wanted it, he it felt that made him seem more godlike, that he was riding an elephant rather than you he's might think a horse. He's Caesar. Of course yeah. he's riding he's an elephant. He's just doing stuff to be, to be godlike and pompous, basically. I
1: mean, it, it, there was so much. There was, and then I can't was help
2: really... thinking,
0: Terry, there's a bit of a class problem here <laughs> well, and that's really why you're not enjoying well, it.
1: But well, then it was really weird and random because then you'd have... Then David Morrissey kicked off because somebody had pissed in his... Jacuzzi, yes, yeah, it's pool, spa thing, It's pool,
5: It's pool.
1: So it was just really weird because one minute it's kind of like very kind of Game of Thrones, Game of Thronesy, and the next minute it's
0: like the tone is interesting, ludicrous. Isn't it? Yeah. So, so this is this. So I reviewed uh, season one of this for both Empire and Pilot and it really threw me that it's. I wasn't sure that it knew what it wanted to be. But now, actually, it didn't bother me as much watching this episode, because I didn't finish. I was the first three, I think, of season one. But it seems to have settled into this and really embraced this odd tone and the way it does hop from, you know... Really violent outbursts and taking itself quite seriously to just nonsense. So there's the the first season soundtrack, like the main theme tune was Donovan's "Hurdy Gurdy Man," and, there's, and there seems to be a lot of, sort of like '60s rock turned up the score. on the soundtrack. I enjoyed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which kind of underscores, no pun intended, the whole absurdity of this thing. And uh, Morrissey, I really enjoyed this. I think he's lots and lots of fun because he just throws himself into this.
1: Well, can, can I just say I just, because I had no fucking clue what was going on or why I should be enjoying it, um, but. Jez Butterworth, I think, is is remarkable, and I think, especially his work on the stage, I think he's one mm. of our best writers. Um, so I just want to say that because it sounds like I took a giant confused shit all over it, which <laughs> in, is, which in is, many respects I did. But...
2: we should just say this is this is actually written by Tom Butterworth, though. So I think but, they created it, the Butterworth brothers created it together. Yes,
1: the three of them, right? Yeah,
2: three of them. I think Tom does more of the writing than Jez. I mean, Jez is a busy man, like, but Jez busier... is still involved
1: in the second. <laughs> oh, he's involved. Season, yeah. yeah,
2: he's involved definitely, and it's got. I I, do you know what I I quite like the first series. I quite like this. I think this this episode they worked hard at making it even more loosely kind of entertaining and um quite self-consciously silly at various points. Like, and I think it the a lot of it it's got that thing of celebrating you know of of making it clear that we're not being a traditional fusty period thing. You know, it's got it's got it's got silliness. It embraces the silliness. David Morrissey there's a great scene with David Micey naked in his big jacuzzi as you called it with Steve Pemberton and that was was a was a really really good scene on any level. I thought that was really well written, well filmed, well acted, and I really wanted to know what was gonna happen next. I thought it was funny and it had all that. But the th- problem with it for me is is that it's got a kind of arch tone, that arch tone, and I feel like it's quite it's kind of standing back and admiring itself mm. a bit. You know, some shows, you know, they kind of they still have that tone. I mean in a way, the end of the fucking world's got a bit of that tone, you know, it's kind of, it, 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 but I, I believe in those characters and I believe mm. the show cares about its characters. I'm not hundred percent sure that anyone really cares about these well, people, very let alone us. Yeah, yeah. It, I think and it's a bit too pleased. It's self-satisfied,
0: with itself. and he yeah. hasn't necessarily earned it. Exactly, and, and
2: and I think it clearly was partly, you know, an attempt by Sky to do a kind of Game of Thronesy type thing, set in Roman Britain. And so the druid, all the druid stuff, which I find a bit annoying, to be honest. I love all the Roman stuff. Actually, when it counts to the druids having orgies in the forest and and being druidy, I find that a bit irritating <laughs> and annoying. So I kind of like it, but there is something that stops me really fully embracing. it, And I think that probably goes generally. For the show, for the whole show, I think. That yes. I but uh, David, I absolutely fucking love David Morris Yeah, yeah. Morris, I think the, the chance yeah. for him to go, to fully go nuts and funny and be power crazed is is enjoyable.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just it's a slightly odd one, and I think this tone is definitely not for everyone. No, and it's just because it doesn't do like it's not a straight out comedy, so it's not if you're going for laughs, you're not going to get that. But if you're looking for you know a big sweeping epic period drama, it mm. doesn't really give you that either. So it kind of falls in this weird hinterland. And I think if you get it and you're on its wavelength, then good for you. But if not, it's you're going to have your reaction.
1: But it was successful for them, right? So yeah. t- I think two million yeah. viewers um, watched the premiere of season one. Um, So I think I'm surprised that it's ended up being as broad as it has, because as you say, Boyd, like there is a weird kind of it's there's there's a heavy dose of everything being slightly ironic, which I think would make a lot of people not connect with it. Mm. And as you say, the kind of veering tone in terms of who is it for and what is it trying to do? People love this shit. I was on the internet. They are like yeah, yeah, mad yeah. for Britannia.
0: Wow. So that is Britannia and that drops on Sky Atlantic and Now TV on Thursday, November 7th at 9pm. Pick of the week is...
1: Oh, end of the fucking world.
0: What do you mean, oh? There is no all. There was only one good show this week.
1: We've already destroyed your argument, so I think you'll find there were two good shows, one of which you were being a massive elitist about. <laughs> so the winner is End of the Fucking World with a close second by the Young Offenders. Ignore James because he doesn't know what he's talking about.
0: Right. I fully endorse that message. Oh, good grief. <laughs> right, anyway, that now brings us onto the Banshee segment where we take an old show and attempt to, in this case, defend it against the odds. And our special celebrity guest Bansheer this week is none other than Chris Hewitt. Hello, James.
5: Yes, my banshee this week, James, thank you for asking, is Blue Bloods, the seminal series executive produced by Leonard Goldberg. I know this because I keep getting his name wrong at the end of each episode. I keep thinking it's going to be a a Dick Wolf production, but it's not. It's Leonard Goldberg. I do wish it was a Dick Wolf (laughs) production. Oh, my God. Dick Wolf's the best. Anyway, so this is a fairly... On the level, on the on the surface of it, a humdrum procedural. I love a humdrum procedural. And this resol- revolves around a family of cops called the Reagans. Not the Blue Bloods, so I was confused by that at first. But the Reagans, who live in New York City. Tom Selleck, with moustache, is Frank Reagan. He is the commissioner of the NYPD. And then he has uh, his two, two sons. There's a third, but he gets killed very early on. Two sons. There's Danny played by Donnie Wahlberg I can only presume they called him Danny because (laughs) it's close enough to Donnie so the Donnie will remember it and also acknowledge it when he hears it. Uh, so he's a hothead. He's a hothead detective who's not above breaking the rules even though his dad is the commissioner. Then there's Jamie played by Will Estes and he is a sort of more level-headed beat cop uh, but he's, you know, he's got his wits about him and he's slowly but surely making his way through the, the force. Then, of course, there's the daughter Erin who's the ADA of New York. She's played by Bridget Boynihan and uh, and they... they solve crimes they fight crimes they have moral dilemmas every single episode and it has the worst character in history TV in it as well uh, who is the granddad uh, played by I believe Beelzebub Uh, and but apart from that it's really fun, and you get to see Selig busty busting ass every week. And they
2: basically end each episode by having kind of dinner, don't they? Like, do, they do, they do.
5: over the events of the... Uh... It's a very Catholic show, yeah. Uh, but uh, despite being a staunch Protestant, uh, I've overcome <laughs> I've, I've overcome my differences there. No, it, it, it ends with uh, every every week they have a Sunday roast, yeah. and they gather around the table, and gradually as the seasons have gone on, the granddad, who is played by Len Carrey, who's not Beelzebub, uh, who's the worst character in the history of network <laughs> television, has fewer and fewer things to do. And less and less lines to say. So my hatred of him is, I, I genuinely, When my wife will tell you this, when he appears on screen, I will hiss and claw at the air as, as if uh, I am a cat has just seen an evil specter. Uh, so take him out of it. Mm. It's a good character-filled procedural. Isn't this the only scripted show on TV you watch? No, 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 no. Uh, hell no. No, okay. I watched Better Call Saul, I watched oh, yeah, Billions, okay. I watched no, things no. like that. Law & Good uh, Law & Order, The Good Place, I'm a big Law & okay. Order guy. Very excited about Law & Order SVU Season 21 <sighs> with the return of Warren Leight as a showrunner. And this, of course, is the year that uh, SVU breaks the record uh, held by Gunsmoke and the original Law & Order for the longest running scripted a network television show. So I'm very, very excited to see what they, what they do there.
0: Well, that was... Thanks for listening, Chris everybody. This is Banshee. Boyd, <laughs> would you care to top that? <laughs> um, it's difficult.
2: Because also, the thing about Blue Bloods, it's on practically every minute of the day on Sky Atlantic. Or something. It's amazing. Yeah, it is on constantly. Um, I'm going to pick, because of the Jason Momoa interview mm. that we have running this week, um, he... I'm going to banshee a show that he mentions in the middle of the interview, presuming you keep that bit in, in the edit of the interview. Um, he has to now. Exactly, he has to now. Um, which is a show I think counts as banshee because I don't think that many people have heard of it, which is called Frontier. Have you heard of Frontier? Yes. Have you heard of Frontier? Mm. Oh, okay. You? No. No, thank God. Hewitt <laughs> comes to the rescue. <laughs> Frontier was a Canadian drama series that was that is on Netflix. So Netflix bought the rights to it around the world. But it's kind of like... And he... Produced it, Jason Momoa produces it. It's all about the fur trade in Canada in hundreds of years ago. Oh, that frontier, yeah, yeah, yeah that frontier. <laughs> um, and it's got, it's kind of got a very, um, it's kind of got an interesting tone. There's loads of sex and violence in it. Loads, quite a lot of gratuitous sex and violence in it. And it was made for dis- the Discovery Channel in Canada. And there was a little contra- controversy when it was it's, it's finished now. There was three seasons of it because they would cut out the adult scenes um, from the, the kind of mainstream version of it, and you could only see those bits on the Netflix version. Of of it because it does get quite raunchy you know various people kind of lie on top of Jason Momoa kind of mount Jason Momoa so <laughs> to speak um, the mountain man that he is and um, and it's well, highly like accent.
1: sexually it,
5: sexually yeah Ooh. sexually um, well, Zoe Boyle's where, in it the where British, can I find this it's on Netflix yeah. Okay, there that's a pretty big thing if yeah. you mount Jason Momoa there's, yeah. you lose oxygen near the top right. and exactly. yeah you have to be careful He's of passing it's a gigantic out. thing yeah it takes three days 100% totally um, Zoe
2: Boyle's in it who's a very good British actress who was in, in lots of things she was in Downton Abbey at one point and it's just a really interesting historical drama and, uh, yeah, it's good. Frontier. Good shout.
0: Thanks. I know I've always wanted to watch Frontier. I'm a big fan of Jason Momoa, but I've never got around to doing it. There Maybe, Boyd, now I shall. Yeah.
1: Mounting Jason Mounting Momoa. Momoa. Mounting God. Momoa. Just yeah. call the show that. I'm just going to yeah. give the people who made Frontier a tip. Mm. Make it. Call it Mounting Jason Momoa. Put it back on Netflix. We'll all watch it.
0: yeah Fair enough. You had me a gratuitous sex and nudity, in fairness. <laughs> I know uh, what I'm doing. I've been threatening to do this for three weeks now, so I guess I kinda of have to do Dead Set. Because we did mention it a uh, while yeah. back and it does probably deserve a banshee. This <laughs> was Charlie Brooker's show, and it's so did he do this prior to Black Mirror Boys? Yes. Yeah, it's prior yes, this to. This was ba- the, I think
2: the first thing he wrote for TV Yeah, so this is the, the sure. thing, because
0: up until this show, Charlie Brooker Correct. had always been the guy for me who wrote about video games for The Guardian. And then suddenly <laughs> he did this TV show. Now this was essentially Big Brother with Zombies. So the basic setup of this, yes! yeah, they're in the, essentially uh, like a Big Brother house, and the zombie apocalypse happens, yes. and it's how they survive it while on this show. So it's, you get the eye there. You've got the whole sets of it, and uh, it was produced by uh, by Endemol. So it's actually it's from the people who did Big mm. Brother. It had Jamie Winston in it, Riz Ahmed was in it, mm. Beth, Beth Cordingly off the Bill was in it, and it had cameos from loads of former. Big Brother Housemates in it as well. I would list the names of them, but I don't know any former... Is Reg on there? Uh, no, Reg. someone called Bubble was on <laughs> it. Bubba! Don't know who that oh, is. Bubble. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> and Ziggy and... No, awesome.
1: Nick and Jacuzzi! I don't know what that means. <laughs> 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 so it's,
0: yeah, it's bunch a... of Big Brother people were on it. It was Big Brother with Zombies. Now, this was an E4 show. There are only five episodes. It was in 2008. Mm. But most importantly, you can get it from Computer Exchange for £1. <laughs> So
5: there's no excuse not to watch it. You're neglecting to mention that it actually is the Big Brother house, and it is yes, Big it Brother. Is. Yeah, yeah, it is the yeah. actual and, Big Brother and house, and it's Defina McCall plays herself yes, on the show as well. That's right. I forgot you know, that bit, yeah. mm. and she's and quite she's... she's quite good in it. Yeah. and Andy Nyman, very early role for Andy Nyman, is an absolute shitbag of a producer. Yes, that's right <laughs> as well. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was very <laughs> clever because mm. yeah, you're right. They used the Big Brother house, so they had a set there ready, and he was Shoddy Book a genuine fan of Big Brother. You know, you know knows the show inside out, and they used all of that to turn into this very clever, funny quite scary zombie thing yeah. presumably meant a lot more to people
0: who watched Big Brother having never yeah. watched an episode oh, yeah. of it
2: I didn't really understand the nuances but uh, you know I enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, <yeah. laughs> they should do a sequel with ba- about Bakeoff in the tent, shouldn't they? Oh my god! <laughs>
0: oh, yes, <Yeah>.
5: dead tent. <laughs> this this must happen. <laughs> yeah, dead Bake Off How will we know if Mary Berry is a zombie?
3: <laughs> oh.
5: what? <laughs> well, she's not, she's in not anymore. I know, I know, on. but I didn't want to be yeah. you know rude to prove. <laughs> 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 having to be rude about Mary Berry, but not prove. Oh no, I don't like Mary Berry. I'm, I'm Prue all the way.
1: Why wouldn't you just go for Hollywood if you're going to like yeah, right. go after anyone? Exactly. But
5: he doesn't look like he's near death. Basically, well, I mean,
2: I've already yeah. written in my head the scene where he tries to shake someone's hand and pulls off their
5: arm, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's gonna be great. The Hollywood gland shake, yeah. <gasps> Right. I don't love that many. anyway.
1: So, I was tempted by mounting <laughs> Jason Momoa, but as that okay. is not, in fact, the official name, <laughs> the winner of this week's Banshee has to be. Blue Bloods!
0: Uh, yes, oh, mate! Furious. Oh, so terrible! Ah, uh, It's not terrible. Oh, it is. How many episodes have you seen? Blue Bloods, I watched the whole first season and at least half of the second one. No, 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 no no, realizing no, 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 You're making a
5: huge mistake. It was an abomination. It kicks in to gear around season seven. Oh, my God. Seven! <laughs> seven. Just, you just need to see it out. You just have to give it time. Just, you just, yeah. It
0: really takes a while to find its feet. Once it does, it's <laughs> absolutely blinding. Well, on that note, I think it's safe to say that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. Please do head over to iTunes and give us, as ever, a five-star rating. Uh, you can also ni- say nice things to us on Twitter or Instagram at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton and at Terry underscore White. And don't, don't forget to come back for next week's show when we will be getting down with the crown, seeing how Olivia Coleman measures up as her Madge in the new season, as well as trying to remember, and I know I don't, what the hell happened on the last season Of the man in the high castle. Was it
1: Nazis? I'm pretty sure
0: Mm. it was Nazis.
1: Nazis and war.
0: Yeah. Pilot out.